You are about to experience the Jerry Banfield Show in podcast format. This was originally recorded live on my Jerry Banfield Facebook page, which you can find by searching Jerry Banfield on Facebook. If you'd like to be a member of the audience, ask questions and have me respond to you, become a supporter on my Facebook page, and as soon as you see that notification, jump into the live stream. I appreciate you getting started with this, and I hope you love this episode. My friends, today we're starting out with an honest look and insight into my struggle today. I have been struggling just to go live and create something. You know, I go live on Facebook gaming every day, and then I record something and put a clip of part of the live stream onto YouTube and onto my podcast. And it's been a struggle today just to just to click the damn button. I mean, I've been sitting here dicking around in one way or another, <laughs> trying to come up with a perfect title when really I'm like, I'm just fucking not feeling that great. And I feel fantastic physically. My body physically feels wonderful. But I'm I'm struggling mentally. Been sad today. And there's absolutely nothing rationally wrong in my life. But I've been asking the main question I do. I ask God, how can I help somebody? How can I help somebody right where I'm at today? I find that gives... That's a really powerful question to ask, especially when I'm feeling a bit down. And I'm being honest about this because, A, I have a commitment to honesty and transparency and to sharing everything in my life, no matter what. And, B, because you might need to hear it, that even as good as my life is, as fantastic as things are for me, I have a wonderful, beautiful wife, two wonderful children who are... You know, they're well behaved most of the time and they're a pain in the ass just enough to make it interesting. Like it's it's fabulous. I have all the money I want. I mean I still have several hundred thousand in debt, so we could work on the money a little bit. You know, I got I got everything I could want. I got everything. I it's all good. My life is wonderful. There's nothing I'm lacking. And yet, you know, sometimes I'm still pretty sad. And I want you to know if you're sad, if you're down, you're depressed. It's temporary. And see, one thing I know today is that any anything's temporary. Good, bad, or ugly is temporary. Now, I used to feel like when I was sad, it was so persistent. You know, that I was just going to be sad. And I had to, basically, that if I was sad or struggling, I had to take action to feel better. And today, I know that as long as I don't do something dumb... You know, harm myself in some way that I will automatically feel better. That I literally, as long as I don't lay my ass in bed and feel sorry for myself or otherwise cause a problem, I will automatically feel better without even doing anything. So I hope you know that, you know, I'm very positive, love my life, things are fantastic, and still sometimes for no reason. No obvious reason or apparent reason or real reason. I just kind of feel like it's a struggle just to do what I usually do. Joshua, Lewis, Mark, Jose, Sean, appreciate you being here today. I am playing with supporters soon as supporters get in. And I figured before we get any supporters in, it's a good time. We'll do kind of a little podcast or inspirational episode at the beginning of this. And I think... 
I want to do that at the beginning of every one of my Facebook live streams so that I've got something I can put on, you know, my YouTube or my podcast every day. And on my YouTube or my podcast, I'll just put those on there. I won't even put anything besides that on there. And uh, I think I'm like, God, what is, you know, what is useful about how I feel right now? And I find what's useful, what's useful is I have a lot of empathy and compassion for others when I'm feeling a bit down. Sometimes when I feel really good, it can be hard to have compassion and empathy for others. Brett, thank you very much for the 200, Brett. Appreciate you being here. Sean, thank you very much for the 100. Hey, Jose says I was just crying nice. That's, that's a good thing to do. I was watching a streamer last night that was crying and was struggling, and I was praying for her. And you know what? Our... Our struggles give us a chance to help each other. There's just no need to help each other, no opportunity to help each other. If it's all good all the time. You know, you you think for some reason, I'm like, Sean, thank you again for the 100 stars, the first time star center. Like, what is our goal in life? Is our goal to just eliminate every little difficulty? Should we never have any feelings that are uncomfortable? Should... I mean, that would be boring. That was my childhood. Almost every difficulty was eliminated. I was bored. Mom, Dad, I'm bored. What's up, Jess Augmented? Nice to see you today. Joseph says, you convinced me to give this game a try. Cool. Adam, thank you for the 100 stars. Todd, thank you for the 200 stars. First time star sender. Let's go, Todd. You know, I'm feeling better as soon as I'm starting. I often feel but I often get, like, if you're a creator, resistance will often kick up to the maximum. Resistance will often kick up to the maximum right before you start trying to create. And resistance will take many different forms. For example, I was thinking today, you know what? Maybe I should be getting more views on Facebook gaming. Maybe I should be getting more views. I read another creator who was frustrated they weren't getting enough recognition on Facebook game and I'm like you know what maybe I should be getting more too I'm like no that's bullshit I have enough I have enough people watching I make enough money on Facebook gaming I don't need any more I'm grateful one thing I do today is when I'm feeling a bit down I don't put some story on it because that that keeps me powerful for example if I say man I'm down today because then I've lost my power if I say I'm down today because I've lost my power. If I say I'm down today because my Facebook views are... You know, you can, I could basically make up any damn reason that I'm down, but it, I like to just not have a reason. Like, I'm feeling a little bit down. No reason for it. It's just a feeling. It'll pass. You know, let me see what I can learn out of this feeling and help somebody else. That I think is important in our lives to realize it's it's normal to have ups and downs and feelings. And a lot of us, a lot of the media we see online either censors those feelings or tries to push them out on other people. And I think it's really helpful to not censor those feelings and not push our feelings onto somebody else. Like it's nobody else's fault how I feel. I'm glad I was in there with my wife a few minutes ago, and I'm like, I'm so glad I don't 
look at my wife when I'm feeling bad and think somehow it's her fault. Like, that's so dumb. And yeah, how many of us at one point or another have done that? Like, we blame our partners. Like, if somehow our partner was different, we'd feel better. Yeah, so stupid. I mean, if that's really true, you might want to just get another partner. That's where you need other people to help you figure out the truth. Mark says, you get what you get. Joseph says, this is the truth. Before I start my live stream, I doubt it, but then I start and it's all good. Nathan says, I can totally relate. I feel that way before doing a lot of things. Going to work, jujitsu, or live stream. And once I get into it, I never regret making the choice to push forward. Yeah, I found that often with yoga. Like, I know my yoga is good for me. I love doing my yoga, but right before the class, I'm like, fuck this, man. Like, I don't want to do all this shit. <laughs> I don't want to stretch and move my ass around and balance and be uncomfortable, even for a second. I want to do all this shit. But then I do it, and I feel better, and I'm glad I did it. It's helpful, it's helpful that I can identify, like... I like, there's a word that I, I use that my friend likes to use too called resistance. Resistance. Like some of our thoughts and the way we're feeling and the stories we're telling are purely resistance. You know, the same way when you're doing a push-up, you're getting resistance off the gravity. Gravity's resisting your effort and you feel a burn as the resistance from gravity pushes into your muscles. I mean, maybe some of you don't feel the burn if you do one or two push-ups, but, you know. Our minds have resistance, too. We're often resistant to new ideas. We're resistant to new ways of thinking. We're resistant to looking at ourselves. And I'm glad I read a book called The War of Art, I think it was called. It was really helpful to identify, like, if you're a creator, you often will get some serious resistance in terms of being creative. And now I realize, since I know of it and I think of it as resistance, I realize sometimes when I'm being creative, I'm going to get resistance to that. Like, if I'm trying to start my live stream, I may get resistance to that. And it may take a lot of forms. But I'm glad I press on. You know, I, I keep, I do it anyway. And in fact, it encourages me to get more honest and sometimes create things that are better quality. Because I want to have the best titles that actually show you that you're going to get something special out of the stream. And some of the best titles I've had are the ones where I, I just open up about a struggle. And it's even if it's a minor struggle, sometimes I think the struggle I'm having is too minor to even tell anybody about. Like, it's kind of trifling and stupid to even tell anybody. Oh, I'm struggling to go live. Well, Jesus, what a tough life you got. Can't just click the go live button. Jesus Christ. But in this, in this particular world we live in, this is... You know, there's... Th these are the kind of struggles we're dealing with. Other places, people are starving to death, and those are the kind of struggles they're dealing with. And it's nice when we recognize the validity of all of our struggles. You know, that some of us will struggle in some ways, and some of us will struggle in other ways, and there's not kind of one that's better or worse, it's just different. 
Colton, hey, what's up? Coach Shoddy? Are you rebranded to just Shoddy? Nice to see you here today. Another streamer. I love doing my live stream. My live stream leaves me feeling better. It also challenges the shit out of me, though. I'm going to title, one day I'm going to do a title of a video called The Worst Job I've Ever Had. And live streaming is both the best job and the worst job I've ever had. It's both. And live streaming absolutely sucks some days. Especially when you're starting out. You put all this effort into it, you're all excited about it, and you get nothing. And you do it again, you get nothing. And then one day you get something, and then the next day you get nothing. And then you have a big day, and then you get nothing. Like, There's few jobs I've done that have been as good or as bad as live streaming. Adam says, I've heard fighters say, if I only work out when I feel good, then I wouldn't have a career. Exactly. Greg Snipes, thank you very much for the share, Greg. Exactly. Like, I do my live stream when I feel... One thing that helps me a ton with having different moods is I do the next right thing. I don't give a shit how I feel. I go to an AA meeting, whether I feel good, bad, or ugly, which I already did today. I hang out and do stuff with my kids. I felt so fucking shitty today. That I could barely have a decent time at the bowling alley with my kids. And I feel dumb, though. Mr. Positive can't even fucking have a good time at the bowling alley. Because I feel kind of dumb sometimes. Like, you know, they're bowling. My daughter's all pissy. I'm pissy. We're all pissy together. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Like, can we just have a good time? Can we just have a good time at the bowling alley together? Fuck's sake! Can't we just have fun at the bowling alley? No. No. Can I just have fun? Somebody's pissed off about something. I'm feeling whiny. This shit is so dumb. Like, there's real people having real problems in real places. I'm at the bowling alley with my kids feeling like shit. <laughs> but I go anyway. I go anyway. I'm just, I'm just gonna go. Just gonna go. Let's just go. Let's all go to the bowling alley. It's like, have you, I heard that Jerry Seinfeld stand-up he did, like, vacation. He's like, why do we even go on vacation? Why go on vacation? Like, let's just, let's go, let, we should not call it vacation. We should call it, let's go to a hotel and be miserable together. <laughs> I can relate with that. Greg says, very true, only a couple of months, only a couple of months into streaming and so many highs and lows already. It is. And it's good to be challenged. It's, it's good to be challenged in our lives. And I'm doing this. If any of you are supporters, you want to hop in, let me know in the chat. I would love to get in game with you. I started this out. I turned the game sound off to just essentially do a podcast so we can really focus on the conversation. And we'll talk about the game more once we get some supporters in, maybe. Maybe not. The game, I, I love the background. The game is such a great background. Because if, if I don't use the game as a background, it's just so boring, you know? If I don't have the game as a background, I've just, like, put something up like this. You know, look at the difference. Like, it's so nice. You got, you got that background. Leon Evans, nice to see you today. Another fellow streamer. Adam says, when we self-analyze, sometimes our emotions can become so comical. 
Yeah, it's it's a delicate balance with stuff. Like you do wanna you do wanna self-analyze enough to you know, you wanna take inventory of yourself and not be totally kind of blind to what you're experiencing. But at the same time, there's a point at which, you know, where you're kind of like totally mentally masturbating and you're you know, you're just thinking about yourself. It's like, okay, if I want to get out of myself, ironically, if I want to feel better, I need to get out of myself and go help somebody else. Hey, nice to see you today, Lisa. Isn't it strange? Like, we, we have this idea in our mind that if, if I just think about myself some more, then I'll feel better. But it's actually the opposite. If... I, if I want to feel better, I actually need to get out of thinking about myself and go help somebody else. And it's funny to think of my live stream as a way that I kind of get out of myself and go help somebody else. Create something to help somebody else. Say something. Show up in a place. And that's why I, f I rarely feel bad for an extended length of time because helping, I have a lot of habits of consistently helping others. I have a lot of habits where, you know, no matter what's going on, I'm helping somebody. I'm at an AA meeting. I'm on my live stream. I'm uh, with my kids. I'm with my wife. You know, I'm helping somebody no matter what. No matter what's going on, I'm helping somebody. And that's why I don't feel bad very much for very long. Because I'm committed to helping people. Now, when I used to focus a lot on... You can't fix self with self. So if you feel like shit... You're not going to be able to fix that by thinking more about yourself. It's a tricky thing. Like, you, you'd think... Well, I'm really depressed today. I should just lay in bed and try and figure out how to feel about it. That's the exact wrong approach. The right approach is I'm feeling depressed today. I'm feeling sad today. Let me go see who el who I can help. And even if you're helping somebody, for example, my mom. My mom uh, often helps me the most when I'm feeling kind of down. And helping me gives meaning to my mom's life. So every bad mood, one could say, is an opportunity to help my mom help me. And it's kind of messed up to, to think that we should hide all of our bad moods and conceal them, pretend we don't have them. You know, that's nuts. That's crazy. Like our bad moods are, are what make us human. You know, are, are just a, a part of being human. They're not something to be ashamed of. You know, it's a it's a part of the human experience. Sean says you're making me feel like playing Battlefield. Nice. Yeah, this is a cool game. I looked the the average watch time on this was like thirty seconds, whereas on Vanguard it was like twenty seconds. I don't know if it had to do with what I was saying or you just like you like Battlefield, but damn, that was a good average watch time. So I thought maybe y'all want to see some more Battlefield based on the data. Maybe you want some more Battlefield as a background. Brad, thank you very much for the share, Brad. I'm going to get you, Brad. Brad messaged me and said he canceled his supporter because he got bills and shit. I'm like, fuck that, Brad. 
Next time I, I next time you go live, Brad, I'll drop at least ten bucks. I give back ten percent of my earnings to my fellow streamers that are supporters every month. I figure being a supporter for me, if you're a streamer, is something that almost definitely will pay for itself. You often may need to put into it first and help me get to know you, but I love going around and giving back to my supporters. It's giving to other people that leaves me feeling good. It's thinking about and help other people that that helps me feel better. I'm trying to get over to B1 and pick that. Here we go. The balance of self and yes, is to me this what's tough. And fun about life. Hey, thank you for the 200 stars, Rick. I appreciate the free stars you got. Yes, it's a delicate... Life is fun and interesting because it's such a balancing act. You know, you want to balance... You want to balance selfishness with selflessness. Having too much of either... You know, having too much of either is bad. And it's... Often, selfish people will be paired with selfless people. And the goal is to help each other. Like, for example, my wife has the selfless disposition. She goes around thinking about other people all the time. Whereas, I have a selfish disposition. And then when the two of us come together, it's like we set up the relationship with the assumption that we're both gonna think about me the whole time, which is fantastic. Immortal Loss, Loss, thank you very much for the 200 stars. Appreciate your stars for the first time here. And for my wife and I being together, it's been an exercise for both of us to learn to think about her. So I become more selfless and think about her more, and she becomes a little more selfish and thinks about what she needs. For example, I am very aware of my eating and my hunger. I'm thinking about my needs and I'm, I handle that. Whereas Laura gets like caught off guard sometimes cause she's, she'll prepare a whole plate of food for the kids and not even consider her hunger. I will sit down and eat something. The kids will be hungry. And then they'll ask, can we have some of that? You know, and both approaches work just fine. But that's two different ways of going at the same thing. Like the kids, I often, I think about what I need to eat first before I feed the kids. Because if I'm hungry, it seems insane to try and feed the kids. So like on the plane, I'm a, you know, I put my own oxygen mask on first. Whereas Laura's very much, let me suffocate while I put the kids oxygen mask on. It's nice to balance all that out. If you never analyze or look at yourself at all, that's kind of crazy. But constantly analyzing, I often err on the side of constant self-analysis. Of analyzing the shit out of myself endlessly. And at some point you need to just Stop, get out there and help somebody. Think about somebody else. Pray for somebody else. I'm praying for a streamer I watched last night who is struggling with drinking. And I don't know if she wants me to tell everybody who she is, but I'm, I'm thinking about her today. And I'm thinking about lots of other people. My 
my family, my friends, other people I know at AA meetings, you all in chat. Lisa says, I'm selfless and I give to the point that what the fuck did I just do? Yeah, that's, that's, that's selflessness for you. As often, if you've got the selfless disposition, you're likely, or one of your challenges will be that you will give so much of yourself that you will even damage yourself or you will, like, you will sacrifice yourself essentially to give to others. My wife will do that. She'll just give, give, give all day. And then at the end of the day, she's hungry. She hasn't hardly eaten. She hasn't had her own needs met. And I help her as much as I can. Like, look, what did you eat today? I help her make some habits of self-analysis. Like, hmm, I'm hungry. Maybe I should do something about that. And she helps me to get out of myself and think about what other people around me need. And this live stream has been a big exercise in, you know, let me think about, well, let me think about what you need and I get what I need on the stream. And I'm, I'm so grateful to be here and do this with you all today because this is, this is a lot of fun. It's challenging, it's fun, it's a fantastic life. And yeah, it's hard sometimes. Life is, is hard, it's brutal, it's grueling sometimes. But at the same time, you kind of want it that way. If life was just utterly boring, you wouldn't like that. You know, if life was utterly perfect, I mean, to, to some degree, it is utterly perfect. You know, the, there's perfection in the imperfection. There's perfection in the imperfection. What's up, Sean? Nice to see you today. Sean says, love the stream, love the advice. Hey, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate every one of those comments, and I love having the supporter-only chat on so that we can... Then I can make sure to see all those comments from the supporters. A lot... I actually see it today that being a bit down and struggling is great material. For example, comedians, you know, I look at myself, I'm not branding myself as a comedian, but I like to be funny. Now, if you're looking for jokes, comedians especially find a lot of the best material in struggling. You want struggle. Struggles are real good for comedy. If I just listened to a funny stand-up today. I think it was called Asian Comedian Destroys America on Netflix. Shit was hilarious. You know, a lot of the comedy is is generated by struggle. And without the struggle, you wouldn't there wouldn't have been any comedy. Oh hell yeah, we got the first new supporter of the day. Let's go, baby. Josh, welcome to that supporter family. Thank you very much for joining. I love looking forward to getting to know you, Josh. Welcome to the supporter chat. We're having some. <laughs> I'm glad you love the advice. I I was listening to 
who is saying this? I like to remember my sources on things. Is it a comedian? It was Joe Rogan on his stand-up special. He was talking about this girl on Instagram. He's like, this bitch has 8 million followers. He might not have put it that way, but... He's like, she's got 8 million followers. And all she does is put pictures of her ass. She's got a formula and she sticks with it. It's ass pictures over and over and over again. All she does is put up pictures of her ass. She's got a winning formula and she sticks with it. And I'm like, all right, I need to analyze my winning formula. Where's my winning formula? Like my winning formula, my winning formula is, is advice. It's like the self-help advice is my winning formula. I can pretty much do that. You know, what is my ass picture formula? Joshua, nice to see you today. Hey, Josh Gallagher, if you, after you become a supporter, sometimes you got to open and close the app to get it to work to chat. Sean says, got a PC, might plan on stream as soon as it's too late. It's never too late. Streaming is definitely saturated. But here's the thing, though. There's, people are off also in the habit of watching live streams today. When I started streaming, hardly anyone was used to watching live streams. There wasn't much support for it because of that. So that's the nice thing today. So absolutely, it's, it's never too late for anything. Whatever is in your heart and is in your passion, go for it. I could even say it's not too late for me to become an NBA player. I just might need to have some kind of age regression i might need i heard there's some extra terrestrial technology that was given to humans that will age regress you backwards in time so if i wanted to become an nba player i think i would need some genetic modification and some age regression regress me back to like 18 years old make me about seven and a half feet tall and i'll be in the nba now i think our happiest will come when we match what we are This dude dropped his tank on me and it killed me. Nice. I think our happiest place comes from when we match our skills we have now with what we want to do. But for example, if I, this is something I often think is, okay, okay, Jerry, okay. So you tell anybody they can be anything, right? Yeah, I absolutely am sure you can be anything you want to be. If... You're willing to do anything to get it. So if, if I set my heart on, I really want to be an NBA player. That's all I want to do. I want to be an NBA player. All right, well, am I willing to die and be resurrected to be an NBA player? Well, well, hold on. That might be a little, a little too much. But I believe if I was obsessed and all I really wanted to do was be an NBA player that I could die and be resurrected and become an NBA player in the next life. I believe that. I believe that I could also, you know, get picked up by a UFO flying around and get genetically modified. David, thank you very much for becoming a supporter, David. Anybody wants to get in game, just pop your head up in the chat. Let me know. I'll get you an invite. That's the thing, is how, 
how far are you willing to go? You want to be in the NBA real bad? All right. You need to die and get a new body. You need to be born in a different kind of situation than you were in this lifetime. Play basketball every single day. Then you can become an NBA player. You want to become an NBA player? That's what you need to do. Like, all right, maybe I don't want to be in the NBA that bad. Maybe I don't want to be in the NBA quite that bad. I'll be fine just playing basketball occasionally on the rec field. <laughs> and that's what's good. Dig deep down into what you really, 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 really want to do. And the ideal place is to find what you really want to do with where you're already at. Because I would like to fully experience this life and this, the talents I've got here. And then maybe next life I'll decide to be an NBA player. We don't need to do that right now. Hey, uh, Joshua says, how are you doing? I'm doing a lot better since I started my live stream. I'm very happy, grateful I go live no matter... You know, I'll notice I'll be kind of dicking around before I start the stream sometimes. And uh, now I've, I've programmed myself to realize, oh, that's resistance. I'm encountering resistance right now. And I just need to, you got to fight through that shit, as he says in Pulp Fiction. Adam says, it makes it important to be surrounded by good people. Yes, if you're selfless, you really need to be surrounded by good people. Because I figure a lot of those Germans in World War II that were Nazis, they were selfless. They're like, sure, I'll do whatever my Fuhrer wants me to do. Yes, you say to slay all those people? Sure, we'll do that. As some of these spiritual books try and tell you about how you need to lose your ego and stuff, I'm like, no, I like my ego. My ego keeps me centered in this world. If I got rid of my ego, I'd do anything that anybody told me to do. My ego is kind of my rock. It keeps me centered. What's up, Josh? Josh just became a new supporter. What's up, David? Nice to see you today. David says, I'm willing to die to cure my Parkinson's. That worked great for my uncle. I think my uncle had had enough of Parkinson's. And he died. Now, they said he died of COVID. But I'm like, I think the man would have been willing to take any cause of death at that point. His wife, he was shitting in diapers. His wife was changing his diapers. I'm pretty sure my uncle is just looking for a way out. Like, all right, I had enough of this. Sure. COVID? Yeah, that'll work. Kill me. I'm out of here. I'll get a new body. Move right on along with my, my immortal, eternal life. Some of my family members and friends were upset when I came at it from that approach. Like, no, this is horrible. I'm like, it's not horrible. The man had no life anymore. He was sitting at home all day. He couldn't hardly talk to my mother on the phone. It doesn't matter what killed him. Anything that killed him, it's a blessing. Like, you might argue that it saved his life. Like, now he can... If I was in that situation, I'd be like... Something, please end it. Anything will work. I'll take pneumonia, the flu, whatever. Just finish this shit off. Let me go get a new one. Josh said, I've watched you for a few months, decided today to become a supporter. I love that. Thank you very much, Joshua. Joshua says, 
I really appreciate you and your message. I'm over four years clean from heroin and painkillers. It's nice to watch someone who has struggled with addiction and is on the side helping others. Josh, thank you very much for letting me get to know you a bit. Thank you for becoming a supporter today. Any of you that become a supporter before December 31st, 2021, it's giving a massive bonus for new supporters. It's giving $20 every single new supporter that signs up. It, gift subs don't count, but if you sign up yourself, it does count. So thank you for signing up today, you and David. Adam says, when should I tap out? I think, you know, our society has these weird-ass viewpoints that conflict. Like, we celebrate a baby being born, and then we mourn when somebody dies. But then most of the time between being a baby... And dying includes bitching about the state of life. Like, ah, these, this political party, ah, this, this problem, that problem. Like, if you're going to bitch about life the whole time, you think we would mourn. I heard the Native Americans used to mourn the birth of a baby. Like, oh, this poor baby, it started on the struggle. It's here for the struggle now. And then they would celebrate somebody passing. Like, okay, now they can go back to the realm of the gods and they can go do or be anything. I think it's important to make the most of your life and help people as much as you can. At the same time, though, if, if your time is up, your time is up. My dad was very sick and he held on for a year. And the doctors said they didn't even understand why he was still alive because he was so sick. And the doctors told my mother, they said, you need to tell him that he can go. You know, he's hanging on for you. Tell him that it's okay for him to die. And as soon as she told him it was okay to die, he died the next day. Now, I, I think it's important to stay here for other people. And, it's, you know, there's a man that kills themselves every... Every minute, there's a man somewhere in the world who kills themselves, and like every three or four minutes, there's a woman who kills themselves. And I, uh, I think one of the best ways to stop suicide when the individual is healthy physically and the only issue is mental is to realize you are immortal. If you kill yourself, life goes on. And in fact, you may try the exact same scenario again. You may find yourself in another lifetime that's almost exactly the same as the first one. Where you're basically trying to see if you can make it this time. And that's why it's tricky. But there's not a one-size-fits-all in life. You know, I'm very grateful my uncle was able to pass away. My grandmother was all alone and sick. I'm very grateful my grandmother was able to pass away. I think it's insane. I know some people that have their these parents that are in their 90s. They're living in a nursing home. They're miserable. And they're afraid they're going to die. I'm like, you should be hoping they die. Josh, thank you very much for the 500 stars. Josh says, I can't stress enough how much what you're doing is helping others. Please don't ever stop. I've had some low days. You really picked me up. You're very real and honest. Much appreciation. Josh, thank you for helping pick me up with your 500 stars today. I really appreciate it. I was taking a deep look into, you know, what is... You know, sometimes I feel like as a Facebook gamer, I ought to... You know, I should have more. I want more! 
Sometimes I think I should have more. I should have more followers. You know, everybody should be following me. I should have seven fucking billion followers. I should have more than Mark Zuckerberg. Everybody on Facebook should be following me. So I have such a great message. You know, when I see you know, Josh and David becoming supporters and talking in the chat, I see Joshua and Lisa and Marcus, Liam coming back over and over again. I'm like, you know what? I got enough. I mean, I see it'd be crazy for me to think, all right, I got one wife, let's get two. All right, I got two wives, let's get three. All right, we got three wives. Let's, well, let's work on four and five at the same time. Ah, one wife is enough. You all watching my stream here today is enough. That's the magic place to get into is where what you've got is enough. That's enough. Battle of the Joshes. No more mustache? Yeah, I've had enough. Davis says, if I get Parkinson's in my next life, then I'll kill myself. <laughs> well, there's, I think as long as you're here, there's opportunities for learning. There's opportunities for growth. And it's okay if, if you as the immortal soul are ready to go do something else. I think it's kind of crazy that we... We collectively often, we celebrate babies being born and then we complain about the state of our lives and then we mourn the loss of somebody who was ready to go. I'm like, this, this is a fucked up game we're playing, isn't it? Yay, there's a new baby here! Now suffer with us forever, you little bastard! Join us in the misery! Oh shit, Marcus with the five. What's up, Marcus? Thank you for another five, Marcus. Thank you very much, Marcus, for the five dollars and saying to have a kick-ass stream. I'm, man, I'm so glad I started this stream. Sometimes this is a struggle just to start. But you know what? I always feel better when I do it. Hey, thank you, Liam, for sending the love and light. I'm really happy with where I'm at today and with my life today. And I still, I still, even being really happy with my life today, I still get sad. I still get down sometimes. But now I realize it's an opportunity. Being sad is an opportunity to stretch my creative expression. Being sad is an opportunity to truly relate and connect with those of you who are sad because... Sometimes, and you've seen it, sometimes I struggle to connect with you when I feel really good and you don't. And what better way to carry my message than to come exactly to where you are at in a state where you know that I understand. You know, to tune directly into the frequency you might be experiencing. <laughs> David said, I guess I made a mistake getting vaccinated. I don't know if my uncle is vaccinated or not. I don't think they had it back then. My grandmother got vaccinated, no, and then she died of, I don't even know what she died of, she just died. And yeah, she was living by herself, she was saying she wanted to die. Her husband, who she'd been with like 50 years, and pretty much it was just him and her, he had died the year before. And I think as long as we're here, we've got something to learn, we've got some work to do. I have a, a person... I, my, I have a man named Tony who sponsored me in Alcoholics Anonymous. He was a construction worker. He had fell off of 
three-story building and landed and caved the side of his head in. And he was what many people would call mentally handicapped. Where he, you know, it seemed like his intellectual functionality was a bit diminished after the fall. And a really cool thing about Tony, I never would have consciously like selected him to be a spar uh, sponsor, but Tony was my first sponsor because I received some kind of divine guidance. I heard something in my head that was a, it's, it was a very powerful thought. It said, you will ask Tony to be your sponsor. At, I didn't have a sponsor at like 90 days sober. And I was really surprised because it didn't make any logical sense because I was a person who considered myself very smart, you know, Mensa, high IQ, you know, 99 percentile test scores, all that. It seemed completely illogical, irrational for me to ask somebody who I considered mentally disabled or differently mentally abled. It seemed kind of crazy to have that person be a sponsor, but I trusted the guidance because it sounded so authoritative. It sounded like it already knew what was best for me. I swear it might have been myself in the future. I don't even know. It could have been God, a guardian angel, my dad after he'd passed. I don't know. But I asked Tony to be my sponsor and I started my fifth step, with, which is about confession. And I felt safe talking to Tony because... Since he was, like, he had the side of his head physically caved in. Since he was mentally handicapped, I knew I, it was safe. I could tell him anything. I mean, I could literally tell him anything. And if he told someone else, I could easily write it off and be like, ah, he's just, you know, he just made that shit up. Like, I, I didn't trust a person with kind of a normal working mind to confess to them the various things I've done, like the nights I was in homicidal rages, the things I've seen, the you know, worst thoughts I've had. But Tony, I'm like, I could tell Tony. Who's going to believe him if he rats me out? Which was perfect. And Tony also said that he would call me every day, whereas most sponsors in Alcoholics Anonymous will ask you to call them every day. I wasn't up for calling some fucker every day, but Tony called me every day. And I started my fist step with him and he called me every day. And basically all he said was, God loves me. I tell him like one of the worst things I'd done before I got in some homicidal rage one night and nearly killed people. And I had never told anyone. I felt horrible and miserable about it. And I just unloaded it on Tony. Like I, I gave him the exact details of it. And Tony didn't blink an eye. He's like, God loves you. I'm like, nice. This, is, this program is... This program's working good, and I felt better. And I'm so grateful for Tony. And then I actually, Tony was harassing women and getting in fights with men, and I actually voted to kick Tony out of the AA meeting that I went to. I sat right next to him and said, I love this man, he's my sponsor, but I think in the best interest of this group, he probably shouldn't come here anymore because he's getting in fights, he's threatening violence. You know, he's, he's going up to like every woman and asking for her phone number. I think we need to get him out of here robert thank you for the 200 stars brian thank you for the share carl thank you for the 145 carl all right see you jose appreciate you being here 
Jose, you got a thousand and one facial hairs on my face. Nice. But I'm so grateful that I, that Tony came in my life and then right after we kicked him out of the meeting, Tony got hit by a car and died. And then there were several, my grand sponsor and several of the men I was closest with in the AA group were very hurt that we had voted Tony out of the meeting. They thought it, they weren't at the business meeting when we did it. They were really hurt and upset that we voted Tony out of the meeting and then he died. And it was a really cool process for me to be able to love and support these men and to not even think like, well, you know, to get defensive. It was a really valuable lesson for me to watch them deal with their pain and have empathy for them. You know, like they sat there and read certain... They read Tradition 3 out of the 12 and 12, the entire thing, and took over the whole meeting. And it, it was a beautiful thing to see their love and compassion, especially when I knew what we did was the right thing in my heart. I knew the right thing to do was vote him out of that meeting. I mean, he was scaring all the chicks away, and there weren't many to start with. It was a beautiful thing to be able to go through all of that with love. And I think... You know, Tony, that was a very valuable part of his life plan. You know, and his his life had meaning. He will always have helped me and made, have made a huge difference in my life. But at the same time, I think Tony died when he was ready to move on. And my ego looks at it and says, well, you know, Tony, Tony hung on until he could help me and make a massive difference in my life. And then after that, his work on Earth was finished. After he couldn't see me at meetings every day, you know, his work on Earth was done. And his final thing to do was to help, I imagine, whoever hit Tony with their car and killed him. Well, that's his final work on Earth is, you know, I imagine if I ran somebody over with my car, that would be pretty tough to deal with. And you know, sometimes you just got to forgive yourself and realize there's a bigger plan. I will get and read some more of the comments and respond to those now. So basically, I was David was asking about my parents were happy when all my grandparents finally died. I missed them. Am I a selfish one? No. It's, it's perfectly okay to miss somebody because if you're missing somebody, you're loving them. And I was taking my kids to the bowling alley today. And I told my kids to the bowling alley, I was, I was sad as hell. For no rational reason. And I told my kids in the car when I was at the bowling alley, I'm like, do you want to pretend? And I was thinking my dad never is getting to take my, do anything with my kids and stuff. And I thought, you know, what if I just pretend that I'm grandpa for today and kind of channel my father and let him take the kids to the bowling alley. So I told my friends, I'm like, do you want to pretend that I'm grandpa and we'll go to the bowling alley today? And they're like, yeah. And then my son's like, Let's pretend you're baby Jerry. <laughs> I'm like, eh, eh. You know, I was really missing my father today. I thought how nice it'd be for my father to get to take my kids to the bowling alley. And I was missing him today. But missing my father doesn't mean that I think it was wrong that he passed. It doesn't mean that I think he ought to show up and be here in his physical form. My father and his passing taught me a lot of valuable lessons, too. I think my father may even have, you know, partially decided to pass because he he could see that him passing would teach me a lot of valuable lessons and and force me to grow up. You know, I, I couldn't get away with 
I couldn't get away with continuing to live my life the way I'd been living it once my father passed. And I got sober right after my father passed because you know, the pain of my father passing was too much. I either needed to grow or go, as they say. I either needed to grow up, expand my consciousness, do more, or I needed to just drink myself to death and die. Like, you know, I couldn't just maintain kind of this half-assed life of, you know, drinking, being a half-assed husband, a half-assed friend, a half-assed son. Like, I, I can see I either need to, like, really pick up and make some real change or just die, you know? Just quit. Just quit and die. And I'm glad I chose... There's a lot of people out there that are committing suicide through alcoholism and drug addiction. Like, instead of that are just drinking and drugging themselves to death. And I hope that I can help someone every day. Kyle, I'm enjoying Battlefield 2042 so far. This is fun, and I'm grateful I haven't even had to pay for it either. I've gotten Battlefield 2042 totally for free off of EA Play. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it's a great time to play a game like Battlefield 2042 before people get really good at it, which is nice. And I'm thinking we'll we'll play some more Battlefield and maybe Vanguard before War, the new Warzone comes out for supporter days. David said, I used to be top 2% smart. Now I'm barely above average. How smart's my soul? I mean, your soul's immortal, which is kind of makes me want to throw up sometimes comprehending that. I mean, your soul's your soul's immortal. It can do almost anything. You know, things like intelligence are very temporary and very subjective, and it's yeah, they're very temporary and subjective. Josh says recognizing soul intelligence is huge, but also immeasurable. It is. I enjoyed reading the book called Seth Speaks and. You know, it really talks about how big your soul is and how much you've been through and seen and it's a it helps one of the things I most treasure is knowing thyself kind of knowing myself as more more than human at the same time this human experience is very important this human experience is not to be again balance so higher consciousness balance is realizing that I am I am God, you know, I'm a part of God, which can't be separated from God. Therefore, you could say I am God. I am not all of God, so to speak. We are all combined. God. Each of us is a part of God, just like each of us is a puzzle piece, and each piece of the puzzle is a, a part of the puzzle. And at the same time, it's important to not just dismiss this human experience and say, well, I'm you know, it's just this human experience is meant to be loved and enjoyed. And I think on the deepest level, we have, we have decided to have this human experience like we want this human experience that you are God and you've chosen reality and you've chosen to have this human experience today. Christopher, thank you very much for the share. Andrew says this game's better in the background than Warzone. Well, that's fantastic. I'll, I'm happy to adjust my background game to suit the audience. Wow, that parachute was crazy. 
Uh-oh. That parachute was nuts. <laughs> Brian says, hope you're having a great day. I can't stream for four weeks. My brand new PC's graphics card is burnt up. Ouch. I really am enjoying the PlayStation 5 for streaming. I'm going to stream on the, the PlayStation 5. I'm going to play the Battlefield on PlayStation 5 soon. Hmm. It's nice to cultivate silence, too. And to allow that silence to be there. Instead of constantly feeling like this necessity to talk all the time. It's okay to, okay to be quiet for a minute. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to constantly talk. I like on the Facebook tips, it tells you, you know, don't let silence take over your stream. It's good if there's some silence. And silence makes the space to listen. Looks like my game got glitched here. My game got glitched. Let me read what Josh said. Josh said, when I was addicted to heroin, I was at the point where I didn't care if I lived or died. I thought if I were dead, it would be better for my family and friends that worried about me. On the last day I used, I overdosed. My father, who was an old school tough guy, was in tears and told me he would not be able to live if I died that day. I realized how much I hurt him and my family, and I decided to man up and live. I love to hear that, Josh. I love that you've got that experience to share. And I'm grateful. I mean, I've, I've had almost that exact same experience. I mean, I had lots of nights where I had a gun to my head and I was, some, some nights I tried to pull the trigger and thankfully my, my hand rebelled. My arm and my hand would not follow the instructions I was giving them. They, they would not move. And we often in our society especially on kind of like big media levels, there's heavy criticism of people who are disobedient. And I celebrate the disobedience of the cells in my body when I, my mind tried to end things and my soul did, you know, not much to put up a fight and the body, or maybe it, might, maybe it did. But I'm glad I, I didn't end my life either because... A, you can't end your immortal life. You have a life forever, whether you want one or not. But the beauty of it is, if you don't want one, you can just completely forget yourself and at least yourself as you know yourself. And it's, if you want total annihilation, you can have total annihilation. But, you know, you will always be alive and live. You are a part of the life that is, which is kind of horrifying in some ways. But in other ways, it's really thrilling and exciting. I'm grateful I didn't end my life too. And I encourage, it's actually a very valuable experience. If you've been there, you can help people who've been there. Whereas it can be difficult if you've never, like my wife has never been suicidal. She kind of doesn't understand about being suicidal. She can't help people in the same way that I can. You know, if you're... I've had a guy in here one day, he said he tried to kill himself seven times this year. I'm like, damn. Damn.
Seven times? Like, shit. Anthony, thank you for the two under stars, Anthony. Josh says, I'm glad your body decided to disagree with you. I am too. And I think in our society, sometimes we might want to celebrate people who are disobedient. When the disobedience is... Is there for the... For... A good purpose. You know, you like, you think about something like the Holocaust, it's only... Something like the Holocaust is only possible because good people, good people won't be disobedient. That people care... That there's not enough disobedient people who will say, you know what, I don't care if it's against the law. I'm going to do what I know is right inside me. I mean, that's the kind of person I am. Like, what I feel is right inside me comes first, and the law comes second. Now, I tend to agree with the law in most places, but I feel no obligation to follow the law just because it's the law. Especially if the law... For example, in the Holocaust, there was a there was a country who did not send any Jews to the gas chambers. They refused to run their trains. Even with the Nazis occupying their country, they refused. And the Nazis just realized this was too big of a fight, that they, they'd have to, you know, run the trains themselves or slaughter this whole country. And I forget which country it was, but it was one of the countries in Eastern Europe that... They said, no, we're not, we will not run the trains and allow you to send these people to the gas chambers. The majority of the countries, though, said, sure, whatever you want, we'll do that. The majority of the countries were obedient. Tony, thank you very much for the 200, Tony. I appreciate you. Thank you for the stars for the first time. So there's, there's a value to disobedience. And it's okay if, if whatever you think doesn't agree with whatever is... Especially po politics will often push certain things at you and tell you this is how you should think. And I just want to let you know it's okay if you don't agree. And you might want to reach out and help other people who feel the same way as you do. Philip says, I tried hanging myself and the cord broke and I had to walk around with a ring around my neck that bruised. I'm so happy it broke. I love myself now. Man, I'm amazed how many of you have had similar experiences as me in here. But I'm, I'm really not amazed to some degree, though. It's the law of attraction. Like, you'll tend to attract people with similar experiences to yourself. And I say that no matter where you're at today, you can use it to help someone. If you, if you have a fatal disease... It's really fucking difficult. You can, it's an opportunity for you to help someone. It doesn't have to be this curse. Wherever you're at today is an opportunity to help somebody. Like today, I've been, I was so sad at the bowling alley with my children. I felt so ridiculous. And yet I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm not going to blame it on them. I'm not going to blame my children for how I feel. Shane, thank you very much for the gift sub, Shane. I'm glad there's so many of you in here that have lived through self-harm. I think our desire to harm ourselves is a form of rebellion, too. I was thinking earlier today that in many ways, in many ways, humanity is mentally enslaved right now. Shane, thank you for another gift subscription today. 
It's macaroni time is in the house dropping more gift subs. Shane, his stream is it's macaroni time. He has dropped hundreds of gift subs, the top gift sub sender ever on the stream. Appreciate you being here and sending some more gift subs, Shane. I think a lot of us that get into alcohol, drugs, and self-harm, it's our way of rebelling. Like we see that, for, for example, I might want to start with the definition. What does being a slave mean? Being a slave means you do what you have to do. You don't have any choice. You do work that you have to do. You live where you have to live. You're, ba you're in bondage. You don't have freedom. You don't have freedom to make choices. Now, now this, we obviously don't have very many people, hopefully, if any, that are physically in chains the way people used to be physically in slavery. But we've got mental slavery today. Where a lot of us think we have to do this and we have to do that. We have to live here. We have to think this way. We have to act this way. That's mental slavery when you don't see the choices you have. When you don't even realize your, the chances you have to be free. That's slavery. Shane, thank you very much for the thousand shards. Michael, thank you for renewing your support. Did you catch a gift sub? You know, it's a form of slavery. If, if your life is one thing you have to do after another. Thank you very much for the thousand stars, Shane. Good to see you again today. Josh says, I've always said if I can help or save one life that I've done my job. Josh said, my guardian angels are getting tired of my bullshit. <laughs> hey, I think guardian angels have their own stuff to learn, too. I think guardian angel, you agree to be somebody's guardian angel. You got lessons to learn. They're meant to challenge you. I think in some ways, everything makes sense in life. I was telling myself on the way to my meeting today that a lot of humanity is basically mentally enslaved, like living how you have to live, doing what you have to do, not seeing any kind of freedom of choice. And fortunately, uh, well, we could argue rather, I would say if you had physical slavery, you had mental slavery to go with it because you could look at it if you were physically in chains, you were physically, you know, confined then, you know, there's also a mental component because no matter how physical it was, you could escape potentially mentally. But today, a lot of us are mentally enslaved. And I'm, I hope doing my stream to help free people who are mentally enslaved. And fortunately, changing, freeing yourself is as simple as starting off by changing your language. Thank you for the 200 stars. And Rick, thank you for the 99 stars. My pleasure to drop some wisdom. Hey, what's good? I love dropping the wisdom here for because it helps me too. It helps me too. It helps me fulfill my life purpose. Rick says, I sent four comments and none of them went through because I'm not a supporter. I've been going through some rough shit and people probably rather not endure, but I was young and resilient, so I'm grateful I'm here. You seem like a good egg, Jerry. I'll keep checking in on your stream. Have a great day and night. Hey, Rick, thank you very much for the 99 more stars, Rick. Yes, I've got it set to supporter only chat to help us have a very focused, loving, supportive community. I've found that 
when, when I didn't have it on supporter chat, often it was kind of chaotic. It was difficult to kind of focus on really helping each other in the chat and to build a, a meaningful community. So I appreciate you, Rick, putting some stars in to have your voice be heard here too. Love for you to become a supporter. Join us here. I hope that if you become a supporter for the $5 a month you put in, it'll be worth at least 50 or 100 to you in terms of what you'll get back. Davis is praying that my good friends Devin and Corey give up their self-destructive drinking. I hope so too. I hope so too. I will say everyone that's still in the self-destructive drinking really keeps me sold on why I don't drink. You know, I see somebody who's in the self-destructive drinking and to some degree, almost all drinking is self-destructive because, you know, if you're sitting there depending on a glass of wine to feel better instead of realizing you could help yourself feel better without that wine, that's kind of self-destructive. Even if you're just a glass of wine, you know, every... Like my wife, she went out and had a few drinks with her friends and she felt she had a hangover the next day. I mean, even though she doesn't do self-destructive drinking hardly ever... Even just that little bit of drinking was a bit self-destructive. Now, it doesn't make much of a difference because she drinks maybe once a month. Maybe, you know, she rarely would drink even as much as she had. You know, she, my wife will catch a hangover off of two or three drinks. She's not a half-handle kind of a vodka kind of guy like me. And everyone who's doing that self-destructive drinking actually adds purpose to my life. Isn't that amazing how the, the very things we hate in the world or complain about in the world often are the same things that can give purpose to our lives. You know, the same things we struggle with are the same things those around us are struggling with. And by helping others, we're giving meaning to our lives. Shane, I'm... I'm feeling much better since I started my stream. I'm glad you're here today, Shame. So if you sign up to be a guardian angel, I think you're hope you want to learn and grow and be challenged, which is why one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself is, what do I learn from this? What do I learn from this? How can I grow from this experience? If you're just kind of resenting the experience and miserable over it, you know, that there's an opportunity to expand and say, God, what do I learn? How can I grow out of this experience? I think every tough experience is meaningful if there's a way to grow. But at the same time, it's okay if you want to move on. But I think if you, any decision to move on from this life should be considered in cooperation with others. Why I think something like suicide hurts so much is because it's totally fucking selfish. You didn't consider anybody else at all. Most of the time. Now, if you asked all your friends and family, if you asked all your friends and family and you were like, should I kill myself? And they're all like, yeah, you fucking suck. We'd all be better without you. Please quit taking up the space in our house. I want my couch cleaned off. Get the fuck out of my house. You know, if everybody in your life all agreed and you had very vulnerable, honest, difficult conversations, you talk to your mom, your mom's like, 
Yeah, you're a dickhead. You should just quit and start over. <laughs> if you talk to your girlfriend, she's like, yeah, just fucking hang yourself. I need to get a new boyfriend and I don't know how to break up with you without feeling bad. So just hang yourself. I'll go out for the day. I'll come back and you'll be dead and I'll... Everybody will feel bad for me. It'll be awesome. Please do that. If you have, like, nobody has that conversation and gets that kind of a response, though. And this is why I think things like assisted suicide should be legal because it's a lot different if you're 20 years old and you've got a mostly healthy body, you've got a mind that's still very flexible, which it can be flexible at 50, 90. Your body can still be healthy at 50, at 90. You know, it's often easier at 20. You know, let's say you're 100 years old and you're sick as hell. And you're like, man, I'm in massive... Like my grandmother was 85 years old. She was in phys massive physical pain, dying. And my family members are still wanting her to continue living. And my mom says... You know, are you in pain? She couldn't even, my grandmother couldn't even talk anymore. This is my dad's mother. And my mom visits, she's like, are you in pain? Blink twice if you're in pain. And my grandmother blinked twice. And my mom told my aunt, she's like, you need to let her go. She's suffering. She can't talk. And my aunt's like, no, she needs to get well. I'm like, now you're not listening. The woman's 85. Her son already died. My dad had already died. She's ready to go. She's done enough here. I, I think if you're going to leave this planet, you, I think being accountable all the time is really important. Rather, you're being accountable, whatever you're trying to do, you need to be accountable for it because this life, we have connections to other people. You know, we're inseparable from other people. And I know that scenario seemed ridiculous where... You know, who would, who that loved you in your life would realistically agree to you committing suicide? I, I would say the only time it'd be appropriate for me to, to end my life would be if everybody in my life all thought that was best. Let's say I was very sick and I hadn't been well in a long time and I wasn't getting better and I didn't have a desire to learn or grow or do anything new and I was purely a burden on everybody around me, then yeah, in that sense... You talk to everybody and everybody agrees, yeah, you could pass on, you could get a new body, you could go on a new adventure, we'll be okay without you, we'll miss you, it'll help us learn and grow. Like, then that's a great way to do it. You know, I, I never had, I, I remember I talked to my father, I told him that I wanted to commit suicide when I was 25 years old and he was, I've never heard him so hurt in my entire life. I mean, if I had punched him in the face and kicked him in the balls and then uppercutted him in the gut, I he would not have been nearly as hurt as telling him that I was tired of my life and I, I wanted to commit suicide. You know, he's like, you know, he, he said, Jerry, we fucking raised you and we did so much for you. And he was just like pleading for my life. I mean, he, it was like he was in court. And I was the judge deciding to live or die, and he was pleading his case. And that, that my father's love's a big reason I'm still here. Because that really got to me. I still, I still, still was obsessed with the idea of ending my own life. 
but thankfully I wasn't able to do it. You know, my father's love was a big part of that. And I think that's why it's important we really love people and tell them how much we love them all the time because, you know, you might have somebody in your life that really loves and cares about you that just isn't that expressive. And that's why we really need to connect and have real conversations with people. One of the things I can't fucking stand is when people are superficial all the time. Like, I can't stand when people don't talk about real shit. And it's just what you're wearing and the weather and, you know, this little thing and that little thing. I'm like, oh, like I can't, I, I can't stand that. I'm like, that's, that's why I love AA so much. We talk about real shit at AA. And some of my family members and friends are so goddamn superficial. I can't hardly stand to spend much time with them. Josh says, my coworker gave me great advice a few years ago. Getting drunk and high today only steals your happiness tomorrow. It does. It's like getting drunk and high today is like taking a payday loan and thinking that's going to turn your finances around. I've taken some dumbass loans below in my life, so I can relate. Like when I was feeling, and often right when we really, for example, when I, the feelings and the thoughts we have often drive our reality. When I was feeling broke, I did things like take a bunch of loans to help me feel wealthy. And you know what it did? Made me more in debt, less financially secured. And drinking and drugs are exactly that. It's just like taking a loan to try and repair your finances. Now, sure, if you can get a lower interest rate loan than you've currently got, then sure. I mean, if some people try and get sober or change their life by taking all these drugs, and I personally don't think that's the best approach. If you're an alcoholic and a drug addict, yeah, it might it might be a step in the right direction. It might be a step in the right direction to, you know, exchange one drug for another. But you still need to, in financial terms, you need to get debt-free at some point. And I... I want to be debt free. I have not been out of debt since I was 18 years old and I took the first student loan. I will never tell my kids they ought to go to college unless they can go for free. Borrowing all that money for student loans was fucking stupid. I had to do it again. I would not borrow any money to go to college. If I could go for free on a scholarship, I'd go. But you got to borrow money. I've been in debt for 19 years now. Is ridiculous. Everybody, oh yeah, just don't take too much. The thing is, once you take that first loan, it's like taking that first drink. You start, oh, I can, yeah, I got a student loan. Hell, why not a car loan? I got a car loan. How about a house loan? Now I got student loans, a house loan, and a car loan. Any little thing that goes wrong, now I got to put shit on a credit card. And now you, then you take a loan to pay down the credit card. Then you end up running the credit card back up. Now you've got student loan, home loan, car loan. Um, this is my life. Business loan. Just paid off my last personal loan. Credit cards. Like, Jesus Christ. Been in debt 19 years. Same thing with like alcohol and drugs. You take a drink today to try and feel a little bit better. Before you know it, you're fucking alcoholic. You don't know how to handle life anymore without a drink. And it's pathetic. But it's also an opportunity to learn and grow.
Uh, David said, my wife did tell me to drown in a pool years ago. Well, that's why it's good to have a community around you. That's one of the biggest values of Alcoholics Anonymous is the community. The community of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because sometimes our family members and friends can get just as sick as we are. Like your wife telling you to drown in a pool. You know, that makes perfect sense. Often our family members and friends will get tired of us. But what I find that's really valuable at AA is I got a community of people who understand me. And if, if my community at AA and my family and my friends and you on my online community, if you all all agree on the same point, I figure that's absolute guidance from God. That's why it's nice to have a diverse community because sometimes your wife or your husband, you might have a sick wife or husband and they might be trying to make you sick with them. You might be having a, you might have a friend that's really sick and one of the best things you can do sometimes is to move away from and pray for sick family and friends. David said, uppercut to the gut. Was he a tall man? My dad was not a tall man. My dad was about average height. Andrew says, I drink a little, but not enough to feel the effects of alcohol. I don't know why I even bother. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like, why does my wife even bother? Like, why, why even have a couple of drinks with your friends once a month? Like, why even bother? <laughs> Exactly. Andrew says they would charge humans for putting a dog through the suffering that they make humans go through. Yep. Philip said, I had three failed attempts. The gun jam, the other was on a train tracks and a jogger found me. One of the nicest people I've ever met. I never thought I could live with my disabilities and problems. Now I know how to live with it along with loving myself now. I'm very blessed now. Well, Philip, I love that. And that's, I think it's amazing when we can figure out how to turn our struggles into assets. To me, that's the art of alchemy, is to turn a struggle, which at some point we've purely felt ashamed of the struggle. That's alchemy, is to turn lead into gold. To turn a struggle, which is lead. You look at it as purely something you wish you didn't have, purely something that ought to go away, purely something that's bad. And through the process of alchemy... You turn that struggle into gold that can help others. And the only reason I'm here today is because a bunch of people in Alcoholics Anonymous with good sobriety, when I came in and I couldn't stay sober and I was obsessed with suicide and hated myself and was scared, they shared all their experiences with me. They reached their hands out and helped me. And by them helping me, I therefore helped them. Like my sponsor says that I help him more than he helps me. And I know that the truth is both of us are helping each other. I'm helping him. I'm like his AA son and he's like my AA dad. Josh, I'm so glad you became a supporter and we could talk today. Enjoy Red Dead Redemption 2. Aaron, what's up, Aaron? Aaron says, I feel a little like that now. Jerry, I'm 25, bipolar, failing to hold down a job. Only just gave up gambling. It's hard disappointing people who care. But that's exactly why I couldn't ever end my life. You know, yeah. 
I feel you, Aaron. And here's the nice thing. Out of every, every situation we're in, a desire is born. A desire is born. When you have a desire that's born, it fuels getting what you want. For example, the last day I drank, I had a massive desire to get sober, stronger than ever before. That desire was so... And then as I continued to uh, mentally obsess over a drink, I got the strongest desire I'd ever had to stay sober. And it was so strong, it melted away and all of my resistance. I did whatever I had to do and I still keep doing it. I still am on the momentum of that desire to get sober. I'm still living on that momentum seven and a half years later today. And the beauty of each situation we go through is that it's every situation is producing desires. For example, if you're if you're bipolar, I mean, you can tell I'm a bit bipolar too. And this is me after seven and a half years sober, taking great care of myself, having very strong support. You see, I come on here, I'm very kind of high and giddy some days. Other days, like today, I came on here feeling kind of low, like I could barely start the live stream. And I say enjoy your bipolar, lean into it. And if you don't like going up and down, set a desire, set a prayer, set an intention that I want to be stable. I intend to be a stable person. I'll do whatever it takes to be a stable person. If you can't hold down a job, say I would love to find some work that brings joy and meaning to my life. Because look, there's a lot of shitty fucking jobs out there that... Don't deserve to have you there. I'm so grateful that when I had a job I didn't like, I quit that shit. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not working. One of the places I worked was a medical claims billing center. I worked there a week and I'm like, fuck this. The stupid ass job. They, one of the little things they did... They spelled my name wrong on the computer login. They said, oh, it's fine. Just use that. I'm like, that's how little I matter here. Can't even be bothered to spell my name right. I'm going to log in with this name and use this name every day. And you can't be bothered to spell it right. Fuck y'all. I'm not working here. Take this job and shove it up your ass. And I worked. Then I got a job for this door-to-door sales company. And I went out with this girl who was honest and trying hard, and she wasn't making shit in sales. So then I'm like, yeah, I'm not learning much from this. So then they send me out with the heavy hitter. This guy is making all kinds of sales. And this guy is just lying to people. He told this woman that her AT&T bill was not going to go up. And I saw the... It, she was paying like 15 a month. He sold her some shit that was like 90-something a month. Like all unlimited calling, all this shit she didn't even want. He lied to her. I said, can I see the pricing sheet? Because I want to understand what you did. I looked at the pricing sheet, looked at the plan. I said, you just lied to that woman. You lied to her. You told her that her bill wasn't going to go up. But I'm looking at the sheet and it says her bill's going to go up. And he said, no, I didn't. Give me that. He took the sheet from me when we went out to lunch. And as soon as lunch was over, I said, 
take me home. Take me back to my car. He's like, why? I'm like, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm not working at a job where the only way you succeed is to lie to people. You lied to me. And I know what I saw. I'm done with this job. I'm out. Take me home. I went home, bought a bottle of gin on the way home, drank gin. Felt sorry for myself. I quit jobs that, the jobs that really sucked, I quit them. I got sick of being a police officer, too. I told my parents I, I hated being a police officer. It was a bullshit job. You don't enforce the law fairly. People who have status, you know, if you got a federal government ID card that says the right shit, you can do almost anything you want to. If you're the sheriff's third cousin and my police department pulls you over and you're drunk, eh, you get to get a ride home. But if you're a grad student, you don't know anybody, you're fucked. You're going to jail. I was ordered to take some poor grad student to jail for drunk driving shortly after I was ordered not to take some bitch that ran over... Well, that was drunk driving, damaged property, ran over all kinds of shit. I was ordered not to take her to jail because she worked for this politician. And if we take her to jail, then we might lose some of our funding, Jerry. I'm like, that's fucked up. That's totally fucked up. That ruins the whole premise of me being a police officer. Like, if it's that blatantly bullshit, the law doesn't mean shit. And I benefited, I tested it out myself. I got, got my badge and went around drinking and driving off duty, speeding my ass off, and yep, I got away with shit. I'm like, this is, I, I told my parents, I'm like, I don't want to be a police officer anymore, and I'm losing my mind. I want to move home. They said, no, 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 you need to keep that job. So I just acted completely insane till they made me quit. And then my parents let me move home with them. If you'd have looked at my life at 25, it would have looked like a total failure. I had went to college for engineering and to go in the army. I switched my major, went into criminal justice, got a job as a correction officer. Failed one relationship after another with a woman, drank, spent all my money on drinking and gambling, masturbated all the time. Bitched about life every day. Felt sorry for myself. Had a nice job. Fucked it up. Moved home with my parents. My life would have looked like a total fuck up at 25. Sometimes you just gotta wait. Sometimes you just gotta wait to see the, the full results. Sometimes you just don't know what things look like. But I'll tell you what, my life... I got a strong intention from my life. All of the things I went through in my life... Gave me a very strong desire to find work that I truly loved. You know, because as a police officer, I did love my job for a while. But once I saw the bullshit discrimination in law enforcement, and I didn't see any racial discrimination in law enforcement. I saw a who you are and who you know discrimination. And I saw it firsthand a bunch of times. I got disgusted with them. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. What's the point in enforcing the law if the law is only valid if you're nobody? If the law only matters if you don't know anybody, that's fucked.
But now, if you look at my life, some people think I'm this huge success. I got a beautiful wife. Made I made like 83000 in profit this year playing video games online the whole year. Less than 30 hours a week. Got all these people who follow me. Got two beautiful kids. I'm nice and happy and almost everybody in my life either likes me or keeps it secret and talks shit behind my back. Same difference to me. Now, today you might look at my life at 37 and say, wow, it's going really good, but I don't think it would have been going so good now if it hadn't been going so bad before. So the key is, are you learning something from where you're at today? Are you growing? I got a desire from all the failed relationships I had with women. I got a very strong desire to have a successful relationship with a woman. And the... the you know, the one of the worst things I had going on with the woman was with the dispatcher at work. It it produced a very strong desire to have a stable relationship. And it's helped me to have a good marriage so many times because I remember how crazy things got when I was with the dispatcher. And I realized, you know, I never want to have that happen with my wife. I don't care if she cheats on me, takes all my money, won't let me see the kids. I still would not want to be an asshole to her like i would still want to be nice to her no matter what phil says people don't realize how much it would hurt if those you, who love you and care about you if you went through a suicide exactly and that's why it's in, it's important to be accountable it's important to be accountable to the people in your life and it's important that you be able It's important to learn who you can tell what to also. There's some people, this is why you need a diverse, deep community of people that you love and who love you because there's certain people, if you tell them you're having suicidal thoughts, they'll flip shit and have you in a mental institution. And you know, you don't want to tell them first about it. You want, that's why things like AA meetings, 12-step groups, recovery groups, support groups, therapists, you need to have somebody in your life that you can trust. Ideally, you need... I have a bunch of people in my life, and I would include you all in live stream. I can tell you anything. I've learned to kind of phrase things appropriately for a public format, but if I was thinking about harming myself, I would tell it to you right on this live stream. The last day I had some serious self-harm thoughts was July 2020. I'll tell you about it right now. Oh, I have, I don't go to, to Sexaholics Anonymous, although I've struggled with sex addiction in my life. So sex addiction would be compulsive masturbating, making bad choices about who to have sex with. And I, uh, so as a part of recovery from sex addiction and practicing healthy sex behavior, I only have sex with my wife. I don't masturbate. I don't watch porn. You know, I, I just have focus all my sexual energy on my relationship with my wife. And both of us have agreed to that. My wife has agreed she'll have sex whenever I want to, which I think is truly fantastic of her. You know, she's a real selfless kind of gal. She has a headache. I'll just lay here. You know, she, she's fantastic.
And the last day I had some significant self-harm thoughts. Now, I certainly might have a thought here and there of something sick or crazy. But the last day it really was potent was a year in July 2020, over a year ago. You know, I remember my wife was cooking some noodles. And I remember having the thought to just take the boiling pot of noodles and... The exact thought I had was, dump it on your fucking head. Just dump it on your fucking head. You know, and that, that thought had a level of potency that was kind of scary. I'm like, Jesus. That thought was more intense than... You know, I used to be really scared of and take thoughts like that seriously and even start taking action on them. And then I dumped the water in the sink and... Uh, you know, like a drop of water got on my arm, and I'm like, God, Jesus, fuck that burn! I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't dump that on my head, because, God damn, it would have been a lot worse than that little drop of water. But I, so, oh, so what happened? I don't masturbate, and I had, I had had four years without masturbating at that point, and I had spun myself up into this really negative place over the whole bullshit pandemic thing. I'm like, it's not there's a pandemic of fear. There's definitely a fear pandemic. We've got one of those. I got myself into all upset over the state of the world. And in a really negative place. And uh, I ended up all of a sudden masturbating. It totally caught me by surprise. My wife said she wasn't feeling that good. And I said, fine, honey, go to bed. It's no big deal. trying to practice being selfless. I'm like, go to bed. It's cool. We'll do it tomorrow. And all of a sudden, within like five minutes from that, I started feeling sorry for myself. I started rationalizing, hey, you know, I'll just masturbate. That'll do her a favor. Even though I'd made an agreement not to do that, I that I entered into voluntarily because that's good for me. I could change it. And uh, I all of a sudden just make this decision masturbate and then i feel like absolute shit after that and then the next day i felt really shitty and you know what i told everybody about it i told everybody about it. i went to my AA meeting told them exactly what i told you here told my wife about it as soon as she woke up the next day she's like oh great <laughs> oh, that's nice to wake up to She's like, you, she felt so betrayed. She's like, you said you were fine last night. We could have had sex. I'm like, I know. I don't know what happened. I just, all that self-hatred and disgust with myself came up. And that was a valuable lesson for me. I learned from that. And now I've got that much more empathy and compassion and ability to help others. And I think it's important that we be accountable, that we, you know, we have a willingness to tell other people about what's going on in our lives. And we need a community. We, because some things are not appropriate to tell our mom or our dad. We need a community of people so that we can consider who we tell what, when. Because sometimes it's more appropriate Sometimes it's more appropriate to tell a certain friend or a certain family member something first. For example, I've learned that if I want to truly be considerate of my wife, there's some things that it's better if I share it with a friend first 
then talk with my wife about it. For example, if I'm mad at my wife, it's much better if I, you know, ask my mother for help and pray and sometimes share it in a meeting and talk to my sponsor before I talk to my wife because my sponsor, my friends, my A meeting can help me calm down so that when I talk to my wife, I'm no longer mad. See, that's considerate. And that's why we, we need a community. We need a whole community of people. I've heard that our brains are biologically hardwired to be in a community of 150 people. And a lot of us today, one of the main things we're suffering from is isolation. Uh, David said, how insane did you get as a police officer? I mean, I got fucking crazy. What's up, Shannon? Faithful mommy 99. Is that the correct way to say your wife? Nice to see you today, Shannon. Is that the correct way to say your gaming page, Shannon? Faithful mommy 99. I, I got it. I'll give you a good example of how insane I got as a police officer. So I'd arrest somebody for drunk driving one night as a police officer. Then I'd be drunk driving myself the next night. And somehow, you know, I saw the hypocrisy in being a police officer, watching people be able to do anything because of who they knew, and then seeing other people get arrested because of who they didn't know. And I bought... I. I leaned right into it. I started putting the hypocrisy to work in my life. I'd be arresting people drunk driving one night. I'd be drunk driving the next night. And then the hypocrisy bothered me even more because the hypocrisy was no longer out there. The hypocrisy was in here. The hypocrisy that I was seeing outside of you know, the sheriff's cousin getting away with DUI because he's a sheriff's cousin seeing a politician's age drunk driving all over having the major come out at two in the morning and order us not to arrest him when the whole shift or her you know seeing that blatant hypocrisy outside was bad enough but then to witness the blatant hypocrisy inside that got to be unbearable that you know i'm i'm all mr law enforcement at work but you get me off duty and I'm drunk driving off duty. I'm drunk driving off duty all over town myself. One night I got, and uh, the, the other officers I was working with, some of them would do it too. And of course, all of us would hang out together. One of the, you know, we went out for this officer's 40th birthday. This, this guy was a ranking, not just an officer, but he was, he had rank. He wasn't just a patrol officer, you know, he was he was a seasoned veteran of the department. He had his 40th birthday party. We all went out to the bar together. Most of the officers there were drinking and driving that night. Many of the officers drank and drove to the strip club after that, and I went with them. I dropped $1,000 to go in the champagne room and fuck one of the strippers there. And I went back home, and I thought, ah, that wasn't that bad of a night. Like, eh, nothing real bad happened. Another night, I was out at the bar. This, this girl spilled a beer on me. And, uh, you know, this guy starts talking shit to defend her, and I'm going out to my car to get my gun. I said, I'm gonna fucking shoot you. Come on out to the parking lot. 
and I'm sitting in my car in the front seat of my, not my patrol car, my personal car. I'm sitting in the front seat of my car. Guns in the glove compartment, like watching this dude. Like watching the bar, like watching the door of the bar. I'm like, come on, motherfucker, come on. They're just waiting for this guy to walk out with the plan that when he walks out, I'm going to shoot him with my police weapon that's in my glove box. I'm going to kill this guy when I come out of the bar, when he comes out of the bar. Fine, thankfully, he kept his dumb ass in the bar. I don't know how long, 10, 20, 30 minutes. I sat out in front of that bar for a while. Didn't see him come out. Maybe he slipped out the back door. Good idea. Thank God for that. I went home and I woke up the next day like, Jesus Christ. I told someone I was going to kill them. And I meant it. Like, I wasn't playing. I'm not joking around. Like, I was going to shoot this dude. I'm like, Jesus, what if this guy sees me at work? What if this guy sees me and realizes I'm a police officer? And eventually, there were seven, seven or eight complaints for things I did drunk off duty finally caught up with me and the, the police department actually just sat on most of them there were six or seven off-duty drinking complaints you know crazy messages i'd sent on facebook things like people realizing i was a police officer when i'm out at the bar and listening to the shit i'm saying reporting me finally it did catch up with me but it only caught up with me because of you know, then i got into a thing with the dispatcher at work and it you know my off-duty insanity and her off-duty insanity all got together. Then we had a real nice time. I lied about shit with her. She lied about shit with me. They went along with her lies. And they, they asked me what we were going to do about this. And I'm like, I'll just quit. That'll make it easy, won't it? And they're like, it will. It will make it very easy. And then I moved home with my parents and I thought, okay, well, uh, my dad said, are you going to quit drinking? Do you think your drinking contributed to this? I'm like, no. Oh, it had nothing to do with my drinking. That police department was crazy. Society's bullshit, you know? And I kept drinking for four more, five more years after that. And then I realized when I was drinking five years later, I realized, oh, you know, it's not the police department. I've got a wonderful wife who loves me, who I'm ignoring to drink. Thankfully, the last time I drank, the last five years of my drinking, at the end of it, there were no more excuses. Like, it wasn't the police department. It wasn't my wife. You know, it was purely me. And there was nobody else to blame or to rationalize. Like, I got honest and could see, like, I'm ruining my own life. I'm doing this. I need to change. And I can't change alone. Like, the only thing I can do is get help. I need help to change. I can't change on my own. I'm helpless to change on my own, in fact. Realizing that I'm helpless to change on my own is what got me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, I can't just get sober. I, I have to keep drinking. You know, left to my own devices, I'll just drink again. All right, Faithful Mommy Gaming. Okay, cool. Thank you, Shannon. Nicholas says, that's why I don't drink. Well, I'm happy to hear that. We live in a culture where a lot of things that are advertised and promoted to us will actually hurt us. For example, alcohol 
you know, certainly it's something that it's possible for it to be used responsibly. But, you know, a lot of the alcohol that's drank is drank by alcoholics. All these alcohol commercials, and it's, it's insane. Like, we live in a society where alcohol is just slaughtering people. And we allow advertisements for alcohol. Imagine, imagine if, if on TV, imagine if on TV there were advertisements for COVID. That COVID is awesome. COVID's fun. Go breathe on your coworkers. Can you imagine if there were advertisements for COVID? Like it, that is to me like what all the alcohol advertisements are. Like, you're advertising something that's just slaughtering people across the world. And even if it's not actually killing people, and, like, alcohol often doesn't even get credit for the people it kills. Like, oh, he died of liver failure. Well, why did he have a failing liver? Because he drank all the fucking time. Oh, he died of a car accident. Well, why did he get in a car accident? Because he was drunk driving. Uh, alcohol gets away with a lot of the people that it kills. A lot of the victims of alcoholism, just alcohol doesn't even get credit for it. Like, it's the opposite. Anybody gets cold. Anybody has any, like, my uncle died of Parkinson's, really, but since he got COVID, they said he died of COVID. When really, the man needed to die of something. He was, his health was just nil. He didn't even seem like he wanted to live at all. Alcohol is the opposite. Alcohol is one of the top three things that kills young people. And we allow it to be advertised on TV. Not just that, but we allow it to sponsor things that, like, you watch on TV, you know, beer commercial. I saw some billboard that says, beer tastes better in Champa Bay. Like, what fucking bullshit? No, it doesn't. I've drank beer. In a lot of places, and it all tastes like shit wherever it's at. You don't drink it for the taste, you drink it for the effect. It's, it's insane. We allow these things that blatantly kill people to go on, and we don't do anything about it. It's, it's, it's nuts. Like, you should not be allowed to advertise alcohol. That's, I mean, I believe things should be legal, but you should not be allowed to advertise alcohol. It's nuts. David says, do you, do you have arrest or revenue-raising quotas to fulfill as a police officer? That depends on your department. Some departments may have those. Mine, my department, when I worked there, I was at a college campus. And on the college campus, they actually wanted you to do as little as possible. I was big into preventative policing. I was out there trying to pull drunks over and arrest them, then drunk drive the next night, myself off duty, and just get my badge out if I got pulled over. I, I was out there at work trying to proactively prevent crimes from happening, but in my department, they wanted you to basically just park yourself in a garage where you couldn't see anything and wait for calls. Because from their point of view at the time, gas was expensive. They had some bullshit thing about reducing your mileage to save money. And they were looking at it. At the, current com the command structure at the time was wanting 
as few problems as possible with the police department. They figured the more real policing we did, the more problems that could come up. For example, one of our officers had arrested another officer for drinking. And that caused a problem for our department. That the officer we arrested for drunk driving from another apartment department, you know, they actually violated the blue line, arrested this officer who was drinking and driving from this other department. It, and it was crazy the things being said. Like this department, you had people working there saying they weren't going to respond to our calls or help us out if we needed their assistance. You know, good luck policing on your own. It was crazy. And after, after that, there was this big wave, like the whole time I worked there, of essentially try and do as little as possible. And uh, most of the people who left the department left because of boredom. They're like, I didn't become a police officer to sit in a fucking garage all night and wait for calls. And often there would hardly be any calls. Like, all you do is check property. And there often wouldn't be very many calls. I mean, I worked on a university campus. We had plenty of units to respond. There often weren't... I mean, it was a big campus on the University of South Carolina. It was a big campus. A lot of students. A lot of property. But often there weren't that many calls. There weren't that many things going on. And they generally encouraged us to do as little as possible. I would go out and be pulling cars over left and right. And they'd put my ass on bike patrol. Like, oh, you want to get out there and do, you want to get out. They, they tell me you want to get out there and act like a state trooper and put you on a fucking bike. And yeah, then I couldn't hardly do anything on bike patrol. And I'd ride my ass all over campus looking for trouble, looking for something to get into. And they'd encourage me then if I wanted to get a patrol car again, and you know, don't be doing traffic stops all night. You know, you, you need to be ready for calls. But don't be doing those traffic stops all night. We're not looking to get into trouble. I'm like, this shit is crazy. Like, are we here to... I was big into preventative policing. What's up, Nick? Nice to see you today. I'm grateful for that experience. It helped me... It helped me learn a lot. It helped me learn the necessity of inner coherence. Because all the times... When you're acting one way... And, you know, when you're presenting yourself one way and then acting another way, to me, that's just soul-destroying. How are you doing today, Nick? Thanks for becoming a supporter yesterday. I learned the value of, of being one whole person. The way you see me now is the way I am. You know, I'll make small adjustments. Like, I generally don't curse around my children now. Somebody said, one of these ladies talked to me after a meeting. She said, do you use that kind of language around your kids? I'm like, not yet. Not yet. But if they want to swear with me and they start swearing, I'll be happy to swear with my kids at, at some point. My wife prefers that we don't swear with the children. So I don't swear with them. That's fine with me. But I'll be happy to swear with them someday. I'll be more than happy to swear with them. But I, I love having one version of me. What is really stressful is to have multiple versions of you, like sober, sober Jerry and drinking Jerry, officer Banfield and off-duty Banfield. Like, those were, that was annoying. 
I'm committed today to to f the way to not be, split your soul is to be transparent with people, to be accountable to people. And I love that everyone today knows the same person. If you know me in an AA meeting, if you know me on my live stream, if you know me in the bedroom, like I'm the same person. For better or worse, I'm not more interesting in the bedroom than I am on my live stream. If any of you ladies or fellas are fantasizing, I'm, I'm just the same in the bedroom as I am on my live stream. Very straightforward, very transparent. I am enjoying Battlefield 2042. It's a nice background to talk about all these, have all these inspirational talks. Tim, thank you very much for the share, Tim. I always hope that by doing my live stream, I can help somebody save their life or get an accurate appraisal of your life. You know, your life means a lot. Your life means... Some of our egos get imbalanced where we think our life either means too much or it doesn't mean anything. And I'm here to say neither of those is accurate. You know, life will be just fine if you're not here. But your your life also has deep meaning as well. I am looking to get in game with a supporter too. CTC Mark King is back. Thank you for the 100 stars today. Glad we could get in game yesterday. Damn, I've been kind of down this weekend. I've, I've been kind of depressed and down a lot of the weekend, but not all of it. I'm very attentive to how fast my state changes. For example, it's nice to notice how fast your feelings can change, how one moment you can be up, next moment you can be down. Next moment you're up, next moment you're down. Like, it's nice to... It's nice to see how quickly moods come and go. And I, I notice my moods come and go very quickly. You're hot and you're cold. You're yes and you're no. You're in and you're out. You're up and you're down. You're wrong when it's right. You're black when it's white. We fight, we break up. We kiss, we make up, right? You know, Katy Perry, hot and cold for you. Andrew says, I'm not surprised police departments are that way. Yeah, the thing, police departments, everything in our society functions on the level of human consciousness that we are at. So if, if we are operating on a you know, selfish, preserve ourselves at any cost kind of consciousness, then we get police departments that are operating the same way. And I don't look at any police department as bad. I look at, like, the police department I used to work for was just thinking in its own self-interest. Like, in its own self-interest, it wants to continue to be around, right? Like, the, the police department wants to continue to be a going... It wants to continue to survive. And so the police departments, just like people, would do what it takes to survive. And if that meant, you know, let somebody get away with a crime so your department's funding doesn't get cut, you know, there you go. If it meant ignoring some crimes, like, I asked the police department, I said, you know, we know there's just pounds and pounds of coke in this sorority and fraternity section of campus like why don't we go in there and bust that shit well well mr banfield it's because you know these the people that live there have rich mommies and daddies who pay a lot of money for their kids to go to school and if you go arrest their kids 
for trafficking coke. Jerry, what do you think they're those how do you, how much money do you think those parents are going to donate to the school? In fact, some of those parents might tell all the other parents that they should not send their kids there. It's just send them to Clemson or some shit. Like, wow, that's how this works, huh? That's how this works? But that's that's because that's the kind of human consciousness we collectively are putting out. We are putting out collectively a human consciousness where you know, preserving our own lives often comes and making money for ourselves and increasing our own power and prestige often comes before what's good for the rest of us. Like collectively, we're a bit out of balance. Collectively, as a, a human race, we're a bit selfish rather than selfless. You know, for example, if, if you invest, if you invest with a company, do you care... Do you care more about how how much money they make you? Like if you put money in the stock market, do you care more about how much money that company makes and what percentage of return you get? Or do you care about how the what products they're do you care about how their products are affecting humanity? And from what I see, most most people investing in the market can't be bothered to research a company and how its products are impacting humanity. For example, if you're investing in a big food company, do you take the time to consider whether most of the products they're putting out are primarily profitable or primarily healthy? Most of us, I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't do it when I was in the stock market. I'm no longer invested in the stock market at all. You know, but do you take the time to see, hmm, is this company making products that are actually good for people or is it just making products that are going to make the most profit? Our whole system is, is slanted towards profit. And that's all comes back to our state of consciousness, which is often self-centered. Most of the people that put money in the stock market don't give two sh don't give two shits about you know the company's ethical practices. And I say they don't give two shits because they don't take the time to look at them or learn about them. They just put money in and all they care about is I want my portfolio to make the most money profitable. So you know what happens? The companies try and make the most money profitable. They're just doing what we're asking them to do. Same thing with live streaming. A lot of the live streamers totally optimize their streaming based on what makes the most money. Even to a point of being grotesque, like... You know, you got millions of subscribers on YouTube and every fucking video you need to, all of us that have been watching you for a while, you need to try and get new people to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell. Like, Jesus Christ, you have 2 million subscribers. Can't you cut that part of the video out in consideration of all of us who already follow you who are tired of hearing that shit? People who got millions and millions of subscribers making hundreds of thousands a year. Yeah, it's one thing to have some ads. It's just a bit grotesque. You've got all kinds of people sponsoring your stream. You got, you're got you selling all kinds of products people don't even need. It's just so you can make even more money. Like, at what point is it enough? Like, stop letting people sponsor your damn stream. You know, gross. Andrew says, I'd probably look for a profit in the stock, stock market. Well, that's what most of us do. 
And that's the, that's the opportunity to see that the, the greatest evil most of us do is our, our own state of consciousness, our, our lack of consideration for how our actions impact the world. And that's, a, that's kind of a collective thing. And I've certainly been a part of the problem for a lot of my life. When I invested in the stock market before, I didn't take one second to consider anything except where I would make the most money. So I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm sure there's people who take a lot of time and energy to research the best companies. And, to, and I know there's companies out there that care more about customers than profits. And the more of us openly and are taking time to consider each other and really love and appreciate people on an individual basis, even strangers, you know, then, then we get a better and better world in terms of, you know, how many times have you been on the other side of impersonal hurt, like eating food that wasn't good for you? You know, things like alcohol advertisements, all of us that have suffered from alcoholism, it's because it's because people allowed alcohol to continue to be advertised and promoted, even though they know it's bad. Chris, thank you very much for the 100 stars. Tim says, as I get an ad for a Clifford movie on your stream. Hey, that's good. Well, then that's... Each thing needs to be considered in the picture to the whole. So I've asked my supporters, I've asked my viewers. I actually turned all my ads off on YouTube before. And my viewers said, turn your ads back on. We want to help you make, we want to help you be able to survive as a content creator. We want to help make sure you're here to continue carrying your message. Turn your ads back on. I, I thought I should just turn my ads off so that, you know, that's going to be better for my viewers to not be interrupted by ads. And my viewers were outraged when I turned my ads off. I was shocked. So that's why it's important. Nick Daisy, thanks for the follow. We need to connect and listen and communicate. Charlie, thank you for the follow. It's all about connecting and listening to each other and researching each other. And ideally about having real conversations with real people in person as much as possible. Rather than having, rather than like watching the news is kind of a fake conversation. That's a fake conversation. Or sometimes on social media, those are often fake conversations where people don't feel safe to share their real point of view. Or if you do, you get muted. I'm glad live streaming is currently a pretty free form of expression compared to a lot of other things. And I'm, that's why I'm here. I hope my consciousness is an indication of the consciousness of the world because in that case, we're going in the right direction. That's why I think it's so important to cultivate honesty and truth, compassion for others, and to, to talk with people. You know, to have real conversations. Real conversations being like, look, what is this? When I do this, what does that mean for you? Like, how does this impact you? When I... When I do this, what does that do to you? We don't have alcohol commercials in Canada? That's awesome. I would love to not have alcohol commercials in the USA. That's why we need conversations like this. I think, I think one reason we have such high rates of alcohol and drug addiction is because we have so many 
advertisements for alcohol and drugs. And uh, I think all these commercials on TV that are saying, go ask your doctor. I mean, to me, these are, these are advertisements for all kinds of drugs. The real advertisement is not often the drug itself. Have you ever seen a commercial and thought, you know, I don't have erectile dysfunction. This commercial is not targeted to me. Well, it is created with you in mind. The commercial is created with you in mind. Even if you don't, it's the real objective is to promote the idea that if you don't feel good, go get a pill to help you feel better. I think we need to ban all the pharmaceutical commercials from TV as well. All those need to go. We should not, and I think supplements should be included. A lot of these supplements, Andrew, thank you for the follow. Just got three new followers at once. Where'd you all come from? I guess if you're not a supporter, I can't find out very easily, but you can, oh, you can go to, I'm going to put my, dis does anybody do, I've been thinking of using my Discord server for free chat. I think I'll start making that a thing again. Like, if you can't chat because you're not a supporter and you don't want to become one, that you can go in the Discord server. But we, we have a lot of alcohol and drug addiction because these things are allowed to be advertised. We have, if you see a thousand commercials telling you that if this hurts, see your doctor, take a pill. If this hurts, get a pill. Then guess what? Your first response is, when anything's going on, let me take a pill for that. Oh, having a hard day? And it, it might not come out. You know, you might see a bunch of commercials for stuff you never end up taking. But it's not surprising we have so many people addicted to drugs, both legal and illegal, when we're allowing commercials on TV to advertise. There's a lot of places in the world you can't advertise prescription drugs on TV. What's up, Marshall? Nice to see you today. And I'm not saying it's wrong either. I'm saying this is our this is the work there for us to do. I'm not saying pharmaceutical companies are wrong. They're trying to give the stockholders. Stockholders want money. Pharmaceutical companies are doing great and making money for their shareholders. That I, all these things, I'm not saying anything's wrong. I'm saying it's these are our opportunities. These are opportunities for us to to grow, to connect with each other, to talk to each other. These are opportunities to transform our world. This is a part of my life's purpose. By the end of my life, I want to, you know, I'm here to, to enjoy the world and I'm here to co-create the world. Andrew says, I can't stand a pharmaceutical commercials. Yeah, me either. I avoid, I do whatever I can to avoid the commercials. And I am open to... You know, if it would be a much better experience, if you would prefer I don't have ads on my stream, I am fine with that. It seems the majority prefer that I advertise my stream or allow ads on my stream, given that I've got 500, my wife and I have 500,000 in debt. It seems that you all understanding my debt situation prefer that I have ads on my stream to give me the best opportunity to keep showing up here for you. If you want me to turn the ads off on my stream, though, I would do that. If the majority of you would prefer to not have ads, I'll be happy to turn them off. But that, again, that all that comes from conversations, though. Like, 
we have to have conversations about it, don't we? Like, I gotta be able to talk to you, listen to what's really important to you. And from there, we can make good decisions about things. So I'm hoping that the conversations we have on this stream help you feel good about having real, deep, meaningful conversations with the people in your life. Because that's where, like, my wife and I have had so many conversations about sex that now we have a very smooth sex life. But it took a lot of awkward and uncomfortable conversations to get to that point. And I think as human beings, collectively, there's a lot of awkward and uncomfortable conversations we collectively need to have. We collectively need to have a lot of awkward and uncomfortable conversations. If we want to and be more peaceful, if we want to have better technology, and that's why I'm in favor. I believe there's a secret space program. I believe not our whole government, not even most of our government, but there is there is some shadow government or some some secretive thing going on that operates with very high technology that's not accountable to any of us that actually has been traveling in space to other planets, even other galaxies. And it's we collectively need to open up and talk about that and that needs to be disclosed, too. I am watching this documentary called Above Majestic, and there's a guy in there that says, we have human beings on planets in the Andromeda galaxy, that there are multiple planets with human beings living on them in the Andromeda galaxy, which is like 20 million light years or something away. And he said that we have technology like warp drive that you can get there in 20 minutes. We have intergalactic travel. I have a friend who worked in that like black budget area of the Pentagon for many years. He said you wouldn't believe the technology we have. I can't even tell you about it. But he said you wouldn't even believe the technology we have. And I'm like, I, it's, it's crazy. Like you got the scientific community that's trying to research, the majority of human beings in the scientific community don't even know what our best technology is. You know, how are we supposed to work together in advance when, you know, our, most of our best scientific minds, at least quantitatively, you know, aren't even aware of the, what we truly are capable of. I appreciate having this conversation today with you. I hope this was helpful. It's, I certainly feel better than I did when I started. I, I shared this with the purpose of helping you open your mind, helping you feel good about where you're at, helping you value and appreciate your life. And I show up each day with the hope to help you have a little bit better of a life, help you advance your consciousness a little bit help you get some new ideas, help you have a laugh. I appreciate you experiencing this. We're going to wrap this up.